friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, I want to thank our first sponsor for today's show, and that is Star From Afar. Now, you heard me talk about Star From Afar around Advent season, but now they have a family activity that celebrates the true meaning of Easter. And Easter is right around the corner. We've already had Ash Wednesday. We're in the Lent season. And now Easter is going to be here soon. And this is a great way for you to teach your kids about Easter. It's a hands-on way for children to discover and remember the story of the resurrection. Kids absolutely love the nesting toys. And this one is made of wood, which will make it a great keepsake item for your whole family. Um, Star From Afar offers daily activities leading up to Easter Sunday. Or you can read it all at once if you're like my family and do things last minute. It is bright, colorful, modern artwork, and it's an easy way to understand the Easter story through a rhyming story. Visit starfromafar.com and look for your Easter activity. Guys, you're listening to episode number 131, and my guest is Haley Robison. Haley is the CEO of a company here in Austin called Kamek. And although my husband Aaron and I have been fans of Kamek for a while now, this was my first time to meet Haley. Haley and I talk about the outdoors a lot. And honestly, I never consider myself anyone who loves to camp or hike or canoe or spend two weeks away eating my meals over a fire that someone has made. But I'm not kidding. Listening to her talk about her adventures, it made me want to leave today and head to Big Bend for three weeks. No lie. You're going to love our conversation about leadership. Did I mention yet that she's 31 and she's a CEO of a company? And listen at the end of our interview because I'm going to share something that we talked about after I stopped recording that I wish so much was part of the show, but I'll tell you about it. We also talked about singleness and how her contentment and singleness was actually a struggle for her. Yes, you heard me right. She was content in her singleness too much. You'll understand when she talks about it. Guys, if you're listening and you want to send us a message about anything from the show, we would love to hear from you. I'm at Jamie underscore Ivy on Twitter and Haley is at Haley Robison. Of course, I love Instagram. You know that you can find me there at Jamie Ivy. Guys, this weekend in just a few days is our live event. And if you are coming, I cannot wait to see you and hug your neck. And I'm a hugger. So just get ready. And if you're not coming, follow us online for all the pictures and you'll love what you see anyways. Guys, if you're not signed up for the newsletter, you should. It's a great way to keep up with things that are happening with the show, new products that we might be selling, new events that we might be doing, and just some of the things going on with my family personally. Head on over to jamieivy.com slash newsletter and get signed up. Guys, here is my conversation with Haley. We are in this. We are in this. <laughs> Uh, okay. Hey, Haley. Thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thank you for having me. This is a fun interview because I'm in, at your house at I your know. dining room table <laughs> where you eat dinner every night. Well, I just moved here. So I've had one or two dinners here. Like how long have you been here? Been here for four weeks. Your house looks like you've lived here for a long time. Thank you. <laughs> and you have the Jerusalem cookbook. Yes. That one is a favorite. But my all husband the recipes, out of it all the time. He has to be fancy because they He's have a, a ton cook. of ingredients yeah. and it's very overwhelming. So I like to use it as inspiration and then simplify and like pick a few things that I think will go well together. Because if you read a whole recipe and all the ingredients, you're like, I'm going to have to probably go to multiple grocery stores. I'm out already. And I have right now, even though my house may look like it's been uh-huh. lived in, my utensil drawer is camping forks and plastic That's all utensils. You have. <laughs> You have made it to get real stuff. No. no. That's hilarious. Yes. I've moved – because I've moved so much, this is the first place that I've really rooted. So when I moved to Austin two years ago, I moved with everything in my car. And so – From where? I moved from California. Okay. And then since I've been here, I've splurged on this table that we're at. This table is beautiful. Did someone hand make this? Uh, It's made – I got it on South Lamar in North Lamar. It's made by Mennonites in Canada. Those Mennonites are so good with the furniture. And I think I negotiated a deal, but who knows? Furniture is expensive. It's so expensive. I know. This is a great table. Thank you. Ooh. It's got a live edge. I love and it. And cozy. And then this couch, which I'm very excited about. It's a West Elm outlet. I got Down it San Marcos. 70% off. That's amazing. I rented a U-Haul and did you could it, and like watch myself. some good movies on that couch. Yes, except I don't own a TV. You don't own a TV, and I may not even get internet. <laughs> Do you have internet right now? No, I just I hotspot off my phone. Okay, 
which I've realized is probably really increasing my phone bill. I would bet it is. So I'm going yeah. <laughs> to figure that I'm out. I'm going to go ahead and say I, it prob- is. I don't use it very often, but I haven't owned a TV ever. And I kind of like it that way. I love it. Um, I love that you don't have a TV. Uh, we have three TVs in our house. You have four kids. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I and you know what? Here's the deal. I don't watch a lot of TV because I don't have time to watch TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't. We used to watch a lot of TV when our kids were little because it'd be like mom all day and then we'd put them all to bed and then Aaron and I would just like veg in front of the TV. It was almost like we made it. Did you have your shows? Yeah. What did we used to, I don't even remember what we used to watch. That seems like another lifetime ago that my 13-year-old was like four. I can't even remember what we watched. See? that's They add no value to your life. <laughs> TV has no value. I just started watching The Crown. Oh, I love it. On Netflix. Um, my boyfriend and I have watched a couple episodes, and it feels very indulgent. Uh-huh. It's so. very good. I watched The Crown, I think, in one day. I was sick one day, and so I was laid on the couch. Does it get better? I'm on yeah. episode – is it season one, episode three? I don't even know how many seasons. There's only one out right now, I okay. think. I'm always behind the times when it comes to TV, yes. movies. Well, I hate having to wait. So I've already watched the whole season. How am I going to remember what happened when season two came out? It's so hard. (laughs) It'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. Okay. Well, you don't watch TV, but I want to talk about this because our mutual friend Dietrich told me that I should have you on. And he told me that he knew you from college, Mm -hmm. but he told me that you were the CEO of a company here that I love, Kamek. Which this actually, is true. <laughs> I went back and looked in my blog archives, and in 2013, I gave away a Kamek on my blog. To, what? I know. Um, we so can do that again. We should do that. <laughs> I, we can make that happen. Kamek is so amazing. So Aaron and I have known about Kamek. How long has Kamek been ex- in existence? And that will help me realize how long we've known about them. We debate about this. Okay. So I think Kamek was incorporated in 2012. And Greg, Greg McEvely, uh-huh. the founder of Kamek, first had the vision in 2010. So gosh, that's seven years. I literally think we've known about it forever. Yeah, you probably have. And I, in some ways, I've only been with Kamek for two years and I was the fourth full-time hire. And there have been, Greg had some people helping him along the way in the early days. And so when I joined, I was the fourth full-time hire, although there had been people yeah. that had supported him before that. So in some ways, I mean, we still feel like a very young company. Uh-huh. So it was just Greg in a garage for yeah. a long time. Um, but we just had our ninth full-time hire start on Monday. It's amazing. It's been, it's been a very rocky road, very rewarding. And I am, I've never been more excited about what's ahead for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said CEO. Yes. How old are you? 31. 31 female CEO. Owning it. You don't, you know, that's a big deal, right? I, I mean, you're a CEO. Yeah, of my own happy hour podcast. <laughs> of your podcast. Yeah. And you're but also I, four kids. I hired myself, so I gave myself sure. the job. I, I, You do know it's a big deal, right? Yes, it, I do. I acknowledge that it's a big deal, and it's definitely an honor and a privilege. I, as you've, I mean, my house is clean. I don't have children here. I have a current temporary roommate, our new creative director from Seattle is living with me for a couple of months. I told him he has to not live with me forever. But um, yes, it is It is a big deal. I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility and I feel on the edge of my comfort zone every day. I feel like a lot of times I'm operating out of weakness and not strength, but I very much see where God has brought me into this role and just trusting in that every day. And I really do. I enjoy my job. I love my job. So how did you become CEO of Kamek? And we should tell people what Kamek is. We haven't even said that because that's weird because Kamek, it's a weird name. How would you describe Kamek? Oh, I would describe Kamek as a hammock, but it's more than that. I know that. So you're going to have to do do it better. So we sell, what were you going to say? I'm just going to like, how is it? You tell me. How okay. would I describe it? Yes. Or how so, is it described? Hammock. We design and make technical outdoor gear for elevated camping. Oh, see, and that's so technical. I said it's it a hammock. Technical. And then you said that. We are it we design hammocks. We are in the process of giving our brand a refresh and really changing 
how we talk about what we do. Mm -hmm. So we've just coined the term elevated camp. It's a bit of a double entendre because we make gear that gets you literally off the ground. And we also design really like high performance premium products. So in that sense, it's elevated. We back everything we make with a lifetime warranty and we obsess over every detail. And our aim is really to invite people into um, a life-changing adventure and catalyze experiences that you might not otherwise have. And our hope is that people use, that our products are a means to an end and a way of equipping somebody to go and experience something that really brings a fullness of life. See, I'm in right now with all that description. I'm like, I want it. Great. And I know, (laughs) because I know people that have done this, people will go on, I've known people that have taken your product on trips to Africa and that was their sleeping arrangement. Okay. Can I just tell you up front so you know, I don't camp. Great. <laughs> I glamp. That's okay. So we can we glamp. Own we can talk about in glamping. my backyard. Have you slept in one? No. See, I just cannot even imagine that. So I hammock, know you have. Yes, I have. I actually hadn't slept in one since till I joined Camic. So camping in hammocks is a relatively new phenomenon, and we like to think that we're leading the innovation and kind of the cutting edge of this new way of camping. And we want to design our products for the extreme user, so the person that wants to go on multi-day, really foolhardy adventure. But our product is simple enough that you can use it anywhere, like whether backyard. that's backyard, Lamar Bridge, uh-huh. an urban environment, uh, the park. We, we really want our products to be accessible to everyone, but it's important to us that they're technical. Um, we want them to be safe, and we also want to be able to meet the needs of an extreme outdoor user because you got to have credibility. you got to have street That's cred. so true. And I'd, I'd never slept in a, can- in a hammock before joining Kamek, but I have spent a lot of nights sleeping outside. And as someone who didn't grow up camping, if there's a will, there's a way. And I think sleeping outside is just, I would encourage you, just even in your backyard with your kids, there's something so magical about being under the stars and waking up and having fresh air. I'll tell you why it's scary for me. I've been camping one time in my life. I slept in a tent for two nights. And it was the time I thought I was going home to meet my maker. (laughs) I need to hear this story. I think I've shared it on, on the show before, but I'll tell you real quick. We were on a canoe trip. I was with my brother and his wife. My cousin and his wife, like, you know, punch people. My husband was not there. Uh, My sister-in-law's dad was leaving the trip and we were on a canoe trip and we slept in our little tents. My sister-in-law was my little tent mate. She was so kind to not sleep with her husband and sleep with me since it was my first time. And it stormed all night, but I slept like a baby and I woke up and I was like, man, I'm so glad we had that tent to protect us because it was lightning everywhere. And they're like, Jamie, you know, that lightning can get in your tent. And I was like, oh. I didn't know. So that's how I slept like a baby. Well, then the next night we're putting up, we're about to put up our tents. And by we, I mean, my brother, I didn't do any work. Um, And the water starts rising and it's not raining, but it had been raining upstream and it's rising and rising and rising. And we have to like put sticks in the ground and watch it all throughout the night. Huge storm comes through. We almost have to pull our canoes up a ravine. I laid in that tent and cried almost all night. Oh, I'm not lying. And asked my sister-in-law to hold my hand. <laughs> I literally said, will you please hold my hand? It sounds terrible. And then we got out in the canoe. We got out. And when we got out, the rangers were like, if you guys didn't come out this morning, we were coming to look for you. And someone died on the river that night. They had flash floods. Yes. You have to be careful. So that's my camping experience that I'm bringing to the table right now. Have you, looking back, do you have fond memories at all of that experience? I'll tell you this. They invited me to go back in May and I said that I would. So I would totally do it again. Total fond memories. <laughs> Wait, it was why would you totally do it again? Because it was so much fun. You're just in the middle of nowhere. My brother was there. There's no cell phone. There's no work. There's no anything. See? So I like it. Yeah. It's what we like to call at Kamek. I learned that type two fun. Have you heard of type one, type two fun? No. What am I? Okay. No. Is this a personality you don't get test? type. Oh, okay. I think we live... In, in somewhere in between, I sometimes argue there's three types of fun, but I'll break it down because I think it's very simplistic way of saying my goal is to help people live in type two fun. Type two fun. So type one fun is fun that's 
super easy. It's like very accessible, cannonballing into a lake, eating an ice cream cone. You're like, this is fun. I didn't have to work for it. It's just like instant. Type two fun is when it's not really fun while it's happening and you feel a little bit of discomfort, like going on a pretty epic hike or going on a long bike ride where your legs get tired. You're like in the moment, you're like, I am not having fun right now. But it's done and you look back and you only have memories of it being fun because you feel a sense of accomplishment. It feels rewarding and you do it again. Then there's a type of fun that you never want to have again, which is where like near death experience. And it, that's probably not. So that would have been fun. type three, but I said I want to go back. I would do it again. You said you want to go back. I so would do it again. Maybe type, you probably like extended a little bit on the edge of type two to, to not fun at all. It was definitely out of my comfort zone. Out of comfort zone. Type two fun is when you're out of your comfort zone, but it's a rewarding experience and you'd want to do it again. And researchers, and I don't know how uh, scientific this is, but I've read some research about it. They call it different things. We call it type one, type two fun at my office, but that you have stronger memories of type two fun. The thing you remember, the things you have to work for. You know, it's so true. We go to Pine Cove camps a lot um, and we did a family camp one time and I did, I can't remember what it's called now. Someone's listening will know this like pole that you climb up. Yes. You know, pamper pole or something. Like I that. don't know what it's called, but you have to climb, stand two on people. the top and swing out. So two people get to the top. Okay. So one person climbs up and they have to, I mean, this pole is not that big at the top and they have to get themselves standing up in your harness, obviously. Hello, we're not going to die here. And then the other person has to get up. So there's two people standing on this very small pole and I did it with my, one of my, my youngest son and he's kind of a, he'll do things, you know, and whatever. Um, and how, got, how wide is the top of the pole? I mean, literally our two feet, our four feet is all that was up do there. Do you take turns standing on yes, it? Yes. And that is difficult to get yeah. two people up. So I got myself up first and then helped him and he was so scared, but he was so brave. And I, and I was up there about to just crap my pants, <laughs> but I'm like, be the mom, be the mom, be the mom, like show him you can do it. And we had to jump off and catch mm-hmm. this pole in sure. theory. Um, and we did it. And my son, I was like, do you want to do it again? He was like, no, but I thought that was a kind of fun, but it was really, really hard. So there we go. I love, I'm learning something new today. And you remember it. And I remember it. was it. rewarding because you had to you push yourself. You yes. probably grew. And I did it. It's a growth and moment. And I caught the pole. It was a growth moment. Which was and a big deal for me. You can do something you didn't think you could do. And right. that's my favorite thing about outdoor education is when students are outside and they see something ahead of them. They're like, uh-uh, not happening. And then minutes or hours later, it happens. They get to the top of the rock wall or they set up their own tent or they discover this sense of agency and it really changes your confidence. I, I took my mom and aunt to Alaska. Gosh, it was probably three Septembers ago. And we went backpacking in Denali National Park, mm-hmm. which is pretty extreme wilderness. <laughs> Are your first. mom and aunt like extreme no, wilderness people? They're not. It was one of their first times backpacking in the sense where you put your tent and your food and everything on your back and you hike in. And so Denali- Which I'm thinking that book- Cheryl. Into the Wild. Yes. Yes. Did you read the book? Uh, I did. Okay. Yeah, me too. That's what <laughs> um, I'm picturing. And yes. That I, would be type two for her. Yes. Or type three. Type for my mom? No, for Cheryl. I'm for sorry. Cheryl. I switched on That you. was definitely type two. <laughs> <laughs> she, it was miserable. Yes. Okay. All of type two. Go back to Miserable. <laughs> miserable. But yet she's written a book and it changed her life. Exactly. So okay. Yes. Squarely in type two. So my, my mom and aunt have... I mean, I heard them giggle on this trip. Like they hadn't giggled since they were in middle school together. And they were both very hesitant about the trip. Um, But one of my girlfriends from Alaska who grew up salmon fishing in Homer and we met in Wyoming, we did outdoor education. We were like, you're in good hands. We know what we're doing. And I mean, half the time I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have a little bit of knowledge and awareness to know. I mean, outdoor stuff, I think there's a, a lot of perceived barriers that aren't real, which is just people don't have the experience. Mm-hmm. And so it feels very intimidating. Yeah. I and mean, I think all it takes completely. is that first time to go with somebody that has had that experience and you do something yourself and you realize, man, I can do this. And so 
one of my fondest memories is these two nights that I spent in Denali with my mom and my aunt. Cause we were Denali national park. You have to park at like the front of the park and then you have to get on a backpacking bus, which you get on this bus and they drive you probably, gosh, we may have been like 10 miles into the park. And then there's these different units. So the whole national park is broken into territories. And then at this little hut at the front of the park, you can sign up to camp in a certain section of backcountry. So we were like in unit number four and it was moose mating season. And so there were certain sections of the park that you weren't supposed to go into because moose are very aggressive when they're mating. New information for me. (laughs) This is making me nervous. (laughs) Well, we ended up seeing a moose on the trip, which was a phenomenal experience, uh, but also a little terrifying for me. Oh gosh, I was mm, probably 20... 20 yards, no, like 10 to 20 yards away. Is this an aggressive moose? Well, we were told to avoid moose, but my mom and aunt were in that. Now everyone listening, no one's going to go camping. Uh, No, I'm telling you, (laughs) as you're telling me, I'm actually thinking in my head, well, I think I would want to do this. Okay, great. So I, we packed up, I mean, I'd sent them a packing list and I packed our food for the night and they'd borrowed backpacks from friends and I think they were nervous but excited because before you go into to Denali, they make you watch a safety video. Oh, and it's the worst case scenario. It's worst case scenario. So people encounter bears and you're demonstrating what to do. And so my mom and Anna are looking at each other like, oh what my gosh, doing? what have we done? My friend and I were like, you can do this. Let's go. So we got off the bus and it's sprinkling rain and it's kind of cold. And I'm thinking, I can't believe, you know, I hope this goes well. I hope this goes well. And probably, so the bus drops us off at our unit. And we had like 60 square miles of backcountry just to ourselves. And of course, we weren't going to make it very far in just a couple nights. But we started hiking along a riverbed. And before I knew it, I see we see this double rainbow just piercing through the sky over the most expansive wilderness. And that's when the moment that I knew I'm so glad that I'm doing this with uh-huh. my mom and aunt. And that night we set up tent and we made a curry over a camp stove. And the next day we had a map. So we had a topographical map and there's no trails or anything like that. And you can just go wherever you want. And so we saw this little peak on the horizon that looked very, you know, achievable. Uh And we said, we're just going to climb to the top. And so it took us about probably a half day to get to the top. And I remember my mom and aunt were... I mean, it was, it was definitely a challenge, but we made it and it was so rewarding. And there was, I mean, it was fall, the colors were immense and everywhere. And there were blueberries that we were eating as we were hiking, just pulling off the bushes. And it sounds very idyllic. I mean, it was hard. Yeah. Um, And there was crazy wind and we were probably cold at some point. Um, and just, I don't know if you've ever like gone to the bathroom in the woods, but it's so freeing. <laughs> I had to feels, on that said canoe trip I just told you about. So yes. <laughs> um, we can talk more about that because educating people how to poop in the woods is like a thing. You're Why? Like, can you do it wrong? Well, no, you can. People are so afraid of it. Like sometimes oh, no. you go to the woods and you hold it for three days. Well, I didn't know if I'd be able to go on this whole trip because yes. they told me I'd have to go in the like – and well, if you're by a riverbed, you probably have to like pack it out. We did. Yeah. Well, we didn't it. take it with us. We dug a hole. <laughs> okay. We yep. called it a biff. Okay. I haven't heard that term, but that. Um, something in forest floor. No, I've lost it. Like bowel movement, maybe? Okay. Bowel in, I don't know. I'm learning something new They here. called it a biff. And they're like, whose turn is it to dig it? And so we would walk away from the camp so that yep. we weren't in anyone's business. And we would literally, literally dig a hole. And we would leave the shovel there and whoever was digging it got to make it as accessible as they could. Some people built some little rocks around it. Someone put a little like piece of wood across it so you could kind of rest yourself nice. on it. Nice. And then after every time you went, you just covered it up. And then when we got turned, when it was time to leave, you covered the whole thing up and then left. But I did it. I, did. I went who? whatever you want to call it <laughs> on the, in the lake. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if people want to hear this, but <laughs> some of my best poos have been outside. Um, so anyways, my mom and aunt, we had this trip, my friend, Kristen, I mean, we just laughed the whole time. My mom had her hiking stick. She's talking to bears the whole time. Cause she doesn't want to have to encounter them. So she's, cause oh. if they know you're coming, they're not going to, she's just bang you. stuff. She'd just be like, Hey, bear, hey bear. <laughs> she was singing the whole day. Uh, and so the next morning, 
we woke up, Kristen and I in our tents, and we hear, I, I can't make this sound. It was like, like it's, it sounded like I, I instantly knew there was an animal near our tent. I thought it was a bear. So I, I frozen all over my entire body because I've probably spent over 300 nights camping outside mm-hmm. in the past five years. No, that's not true. In the past 10 years, yeah. I've probably spent two to 300 nights camping outside and I've never encountered an animal like this. So unzip the tent. My friend Chris Were and you I, kind of like unzipping it slowly? Oh, like, totally. I like told it's right here. Or <laughs> I told, I'm like, Karen, mom, don't move. Cause they were in another tent. Kristen and I locked eyes in the tent and had this moment of unspoken bravery. Like who's going to look. Let's do this. We and got it. Kristen is, is a little more courageous. So she unzipped and poked her head out and I slowly poked behind and we see probably 10 yards away, the biggest moose I've ever seen in my life and looks right at us and then turns around and runs away. Oh. Moose can be more dangerous than bears. So we, I mean, it was, it was a majestic encounter, but one that I don't want to have, don't again. Want to have again. And typically in the wilderness, animals are not going to bother you if you don't bother them. So you just have to know how to take precautions, how to pack your food, and just how to respond if yeah. you do encounter and you're good. You're good to go. <laughs> Have you seen that video on Facebook with the man that got mauled by a deer? A uh, deer. A deer. A moose. A bear. A bear. He somehow got mauled and then took a video of himself after he walked two miles out. And it's disgusting. There's like pieces of his flesh. Is what it, if it's fake and I'm talking about it? No, I it's, think it's I think really real. I don't know how long ago that's happened. This definitely happened. I mean, I don't – I. You definitely have to be aware, right? They say like be bear aware and take precautions. But my hope, or I would just encourage Uh you, anyone else listening, that um, that shouldn't, that fear should not prevent you from a really incredible experience because the chances of that happening are so slim, especially if you take precaution. And if you travel in groups, if you travel with multiple people, you're making enough noise that animals aren't aren't going to want anything to do with you. They stay away. Um, That was such a long story. And there wasn't really even, but the experience itself, I remember talking to my aunt shortly after the trip. And she said, those two nights, I feel like my confidence has been increased. And she said, I feel more confident in Mm -hmm. life. And she and my cousin, her son, just went camping in Arkansas together and she sent me pictures of the camp yeah. meal she uh-huh. made. And it's, it's for her unlocked a whole new set of experiences. Yeah. And, and I so bet it would be a really good thing for overcoming fear. I, one of my kids is a very fearful child of any, I mean, very fearful. Um, and I think that would be a really good experience um, for him to do something like that as well. We went, we took a trip last year, a family trip. We've been wanting to do this forever. We rented a motorhome and we went to West Texas. We went to Marfa and Big Bend and Terlingua. And it was one of the best trips we've ever I done. Now, I mean, we weren't, you know, camping outside by any means, but we were setting up our RV every, when I say we I actually mean my husband was setting up the RV every week. And, I mean, everywhere we went, we ate all our meals outside. It was so much fun. And in fact, Aaron brought a Kamek and they would, they, he brought two of them and we would set them up and hang out in them. All right, and- you were such an adventure. You made it sound like you only glamp, but that, man, life on the road, that's so fun. It was, one of, it was the best vacation our family's ever done. Okay, my, our best, so I'm, the, I'm one of four. Uh-huh. I know you have four kids and I remember my dad got his arm twisted to take us to Disney World and he, I mean, it, he d- did not want to take us. And afterwards on the way home, he said, kids, what's the best vacation you've ever had? Thinking we'd all. Disney World. Unanimously uh-huh. say Disney World, and we said our motorhome trip when we went to West Virginia, like middle of nowhere, Podunk, West Virginia. We were I was playing Pac Man in an RV park <laughs> in like second grade, but I have such vivid memories of us roasting marshmallows together. And that's the thing I think. What I like, I just have such vivid memories of my childhood. I did, we didn't grow up camping, but I was outside mm-hmm. a lot, and just memories of. You feel so alive yeah, yeah. when you're in wide open spaces or yeah. just with your family outside. Uh-huh. I love that you did that. I think that's maybe one of the reasons. There's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that my husband, Aaron, loves to go to Marfa. Um, it's like where he feels the most recharged and he will rent like one of those teepees out there and just stay out there. And he loves to just be mm-hmm. almost in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he loves it so much. I don't know if you knew, knew this, but last Friday uh, we announced... There's Green Acres, which is in Elgin, which is probably 
from where your house is right now, I bet it's like 20 minutes away. Okay. So it is 12 acres and it's this glamping place. What? They have teepees that you rent. We have Airstream. I said we because we just bought it with our friends, the Ots. That's crazy. Literally last Friday we bought it. Um, but we talk all the time about setting up places out there for people to yes, camp in I hammocks. love it. Okay, so many ideas. We're gonna right? have I to know. brainstorm we're gonna have to all of them. But I was telling when we were talking about the other day, I was like, y'all, do you think people will really come out here yes. and just sleep in hammocks? And all three of them were like, Yes, Jamie. So we're gonna put up hammocks. Well, congrats. <laughs> this sounds so exciting. It's, but it's a place like that. It's a place where you get away. Yes. It is quiet. It, it, there's nature. Um, it is beautiful. Um, and then you sleep in a teepee and there's no internet and there's no TV. And oh, that's so... It's a dream. It really is. I mean, I go out there and I'm like, I really want to stay here for like two days. It's so it's so important. And I, I recently got back from a trip to Big Bend and just I fell in love all over again with how expansive West Texas is. And it's beautiful. And I did not it know that beautiful. last summer. It is beautiful. I would encourage everyone to go. The drive is long, but you get outside of Fort Stockton and you start almost going to this other universe. We actually have Santa Elena Canyon, which is the second tall or deepest canyon in the U.S. that you can paddle through. So the Grand Canyon is the largest. Uh-huh. And then Santa Elena is actually the second. It's like thousand foot sheer walls. Uh-huh that are the Texas-Mexico border, and we painted that on our office wall in East 7th. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to tell people, if you come to town, you got to come see your wall. Yes, that's Santa Elena Canyon. And so our hope was to show people that there is so much beauty in Texas. Like, this cool wall exists in your state. Like, go discover it. Go Mm -hmm. find it. Because we want to be sending people onward and say, go. Like, start here. Let this place, let our company, our messaging be an outpost, be an inspiration. And it's just a place for you to say, okay, now I'm going to go. I'm going to go forth and experience new things. Um, I love the Green Acres disconnecting or really it's connecting. It's connecting in a different way. Like you're disconnecting from elements of technology to create space and have some breathing room and and quiet. Mm -hmm. I think quiet, I mean, quiet is missing from my life. And I think for so many of us, just that solitude of being able to be still and be present and be at peace so important. Yeah. And so I love that uh, you guys are creating that for people. It's super exciting. And it, it encompasses everything that us and the aughts, um, we're buying it with the aughts. I said that, right? Yeah. It encompasses yes, everything that I we love, love them. like hospitality and getting away. And I mean, we have big dreams of, you know, bringing chefs out to create big dinner parties for people and um, doing some events out there of our own. I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to be phenomenal. Congratulations. Thank I'm you. I'm thrilled. Thank you. And Public lands. I was wanting to say that when I was the importance of having space and place, only like 4.2% of all the land in Texas is public. And so even just thinking. Really? Yes. I mean, I was reading this the other day because I, I my brother came in town this weekend and we were going to go camping and I, the lines that enchanted rock were so long. Yes. And then we found a private campground and I, I've moved around so much in my, I mean, I've lived in California and Maryland and Wyoming in places where there was more public land. I think I'm so glad to be back in Texas and there's so much great adventure to be had here, but it's, it's hard. I think we have to, um, I'm thinking about how I, I just individually and then in, in leading Kamek can be advocating mm-hmm. for public lands, even here in Austin yeah. and just spaces for people to go be at rest and to experience yeah. nature. Yeah. That is so awesome. Hey guys, before we get back to the conversation with Haley, I want to thank another one of our partners for the happy hour. These partners make the show possible and that is Noonday Collection. I know you guys have heard me talk about Noonday Collection before. If not, they're a fair trade jewelry and accessories company that provides meaningful opportunities around the world. To create a marketplace for the artists and partners that they work with, they invite women in the United States to launch their own businesses through the Ambassador Opportunity. That said, for the month of March only, if you are a happy hour listener, Noonday is offering you exclusively some of my personal favorite products when you join. Just go to happyhour.noondaycollection.com to see exactly what those products are and how you can join the ambassador community today. Here's the rest of my conversation with Haley. Okay, so we should talk about this for a second about you being CEO and being young and a female and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the challenges 
Do you see more challenges as running a company as from your age or from your gender? I love that. I love that question. I, um, I think it's neither and both mm-hmm. in some weird way. Do you way. feel challenges? Am I, am I putting something on you that you're not feeling? Um, so there have been a few times since being in the outdoor industry that, and in some ways being, being back in Texas where I have felt, um, where I've really started paying attention to this being a woman thing and, and that being different for the first time. And I think in some ways it's, it's, there have always been challenges. I just never felt saw, them. maybe felt them. We recently raised, uh, as a convertible note, a million dollars as like bridge funding to help invest in inventory and new team members. And I was meeting with a group of potential investors in downtown Austin and I was the only woman in the room and I'm 31, but I look younger. I, at least I'm told I you still do. get carded. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you have a and suit on? No. Well, that's the other thing is we're an outdoor gear company. And so I have struggled with dress code. Well, if we're going to be honest, imagine. because I have my, I'm outside, I'm running, I'm biking, I'm playing. And when I wear that, I look young and I don't have stylish outdoor clothes. <laughs> They're functional. And then I used to work, I mean, I've worked in so many different jobs, but you know, where I was wearing heels and pencil skirts. And if I showed up to the office, then the guys odd. on my team would be like, um, no, right. like as running a company, I think I tell everyone on my team, we don't have a dress code, but I remind them that as a small team, we're all walking billboards in a sense, like you represent the brand. And so I want you to be comfortable, like go play at dress like you're going to go play after work, but dress in such a way that if anyone were to walk in our office, whether that's a customer, an investor, investor. a partner, that you are proud to be on this yeah. team uh-huh. and, and, you know, trusting people enough with that. Uh, but yes, dressing can be hard. And so as a woman, I think there are questions like, I don't, I don't know that many of my male counterparts have spent a lot of time thinking like, what do I wear to work today? Yeah. Maybe they have, <laughs> and maybe that's not fair. I think, um, when I was announced as CEO, we were at the Outdoor Retailer Show in Utah, which is the biggest trade show in our industry every year. And it brings over thousands of brands come. And we're in this area called the Venture Out, where there's newer and up-and-coming brands hanging out. And the announcement was made that I was going to be CEO, or it was in like a press release that morning. And one of the guys who helps run the show came by our booth and asked me to be on a panel that was starting in five minutes. And it was an all-male panel. And in my head, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I had it both a good, good and a bad reaction. The bad reaction was great. I get five minutes to prepare for this. Everyone else on the panel has had time to think about this. And you're only asking me because I'm a woman and nothing like overnight who I am and what I have to say and bring to the table hasn't changed. But I reframe that in my mind because I'm thinking, okay, great. This is an opportunity that I have to go and share and and give a you know point of view and 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 share a different perspective both on Kamek and what we're doing and and how I think about things as a woman um, being you know a perspective not all perspectives and hopefully you know the next time I'm asked to participate it's because of what I bring to the table and what I have to offer mm-hmm. and not because but sometimes I think being a woman has been an advantage because it helps me it you can get a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And that's I, a different perspective. Yeah, it is a different perspective. And so I think there are challenges with yeah. that, but oftentimes it's an opportunity. Yeah. So maybe if we just changed the way we looked at it. Yeah. Instead think, of feeling as though, well, they only ask me because I'm a woman, think, right. wow, look, I got on this, I'm on this panel. Right. And next time it's going to be not because I'm a woman. Sure. But because of what I bring to the table. Right. And sometimes the the why is not as important as the like, okay, this is here this I is, am. Here I am. Yeah. Yeah. And how you then engage is what matters. Yeah. So I've, my hope is that, I mean, we, I, at one point was the only woman on my team and now we're nine full time and we have four That's amazing. phenomenal women on my team. And I, it's just, it's created such a great uh, spirit in the office. Yeah. I mean, I think diversity of all types is exactly, really important yeah. in the workplace yeah. and gender is just one of them, yeah. but it's a powerful thing. Okay. Miss CEO, I want to switch gears here for just a second um, I know that you're single, but yes. you mentioned earlier that you said my boyfriend, my boyfriend and I have been watching the crown. So you have a boyfriend? I do. Okay. Is it a new thing or an old thing? Um, it's a new thing. We've been dating now. I mean, we've been dating for eight months. 
That's and he's great. So it's not entirely new. Um, yeah, I get what you're No, no, I just my question is, um, you had mentioned something to me in some, one of our correspondence earlier about, about singleness. Singleness. And your contentment and being singleness. Yes. And kind of how I was I was actually getting my hair cut this morning from someone. That's why it looks like this. It does it, not look like this on a normal <laughs> well, day. I've never Just met you FYI. before. <laughs> your hair looks amazing. You're like, Man, you fit your hair like this every <laughs> but day. But it's not fair because no one else can <laughs> see it. So I wasn't gonna comment no, on it, is, but it looks fantastic. Well, like well, I got my haircut this morning from a new lady, and you know, the whole like, what do you do? Da, 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 and I told her I'm a podcaster, and she's like, What are you talking about? So I said, Well, today I'm gonna go interview this woman named Haley, da, 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 and I said one of the things we're going to talk about, I was just talking to her, is about singleness. And you had told me that your contentment and your singleness, you were almost kind of very proud of that. Yeah. And the girl cutting my hair is single. And she goes, I don't get that. And I was like, I don't know, but I'll I'll listen next (laughs) week and you'll find Find out. out. So tell me what you mean when you say, I'm content in my singleness, but it's almost been this really, would you say prideful thing? Well, yeah, I I think now that I'm in a relationship, I see, I I I struggled to even say I was in a relationship because, at, as a 31 year old woman who has a lot of ambition, and I've it, yes, I've always desired to be in a relationship. But you know, I I love being around families, and um, but that just wasn't. I mean. I'm very picky and, you know, timing, whatever. I I just hadn't, I had one relationship when I was 19 and then I was single for a stretch of over 10 years. And, um, oh gosh, what was, I was talking about (laughs) my pride in being single. It's a terrible thing, but I was, no, it's, I'm not not trying to call out you. Well, I think we all have. I'm saying this is opposite. We all have pride and it is opposite. So. Because everyone's like, be content, be content, be content. So how did that switch for you? A few things. So I. I feel very fulfilled by a lot of the relationships in my life and I have been really blessed with a lot of great friendships and coworkers and I've just engaged, pursued a lot of different experiences that have been fulfilling. That's not to say that I haven't wrestled with singleness. I had a period of time at 27 where I feel like I had a frank conversation with God where I was like, okay, here's the deal. I'm cool with this until I'm 30. So you've got three years to work this out. I love how we have those conversations. Yeah, you're like, him. and then I set, you know, reflecting, and I'm like, man, my faith is pretty conditional. Like, mm. I'm, I'm giving God timelines here. Yeah, <laughs> like three years, mean, and then we're, and then right. I'm not content anymore. So, 31. I was single when I turned 30, and that morning I ran. So the longer, long story here, but I, I didn't run for a period of years. Uh, chronic injuries from college across, and I broke my back in my 20s, and so I ran four miles on my 30th birthday at like eight minutes, and. That day was awesome. Like Which, I had, if you're not a runner, that's good. <laughs> it's really good. I had dinner with my parents drove into town and I had dinner with a bunch of friends and I just, that night felt so full and rich and I'm like, okay, God, like I'm still single, but I can trust you and I can keep moving forward. And just realizing that there is a lot of, a lot of freedoms that come at any life stage and there's freedom and there's so much freedom and commitment, whether that's to a family or a spouse, or for me, it's been freedom and committing to a city and a job because mm-hmm. I've been a little bit of a yeah. job hopper. Um, but there's so much freedom too in singleness that I just realized, man, I have to see this as an opportunity and really enjoy it. And I did. And I, I flourished in singleness, even though there were definitely difficult moments. Mm-hmm. And my friend Aaron, so I studied theology at, I was like 27 or 28 for a year, and I shared a bunk with two girls. We were in this tiny room. Twelve of us lived in a house together, and a girl in that program, Aaron, is a great friend of mine. In fact, she just had a baby the other day, um, and she really wanted to be married. Like She really wanted to be married, and she struggled with that so much, and she said she had a lot of discontent from it. Well, she got married about, gosh, it was maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and she called me one day, and she's like, hey. I have to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I love my husband. I love my husband. But I was discontent in my singleness, and now I'm discontent in my marriage. And so hear me when I say, like, keep being content. Like, keep allowing God to bring your contentment because your circumstances don't change that. And now I'm having to work out my discontent in my marriage. And I thought that when I wasn't single anymore, it would change no it. Way, yeah. And that was such an encouragement mm-hmm. to me because I'm like, man, I like by God's grace, I've I've had a lot of joy and contentment, and but we, I think we can choose that. Mm-hmm. 
But we can choose that in spite of our circumstances. Yeah. yeah. The flip side to that. Well, Paul, I mean, Paul <laughs> talks about that all the time about contentment in my circumstances, yes. you know, and that it's only, the strength only comes from God, from yeah. God, you know, like that I can do all things through Christ. Yeah. That's not like I can go win the Super Bowl, but it's like, I can be content in all my circumstances. Yes. Whether it's like, I have this, you know, I, I was in a season of struggling we were in a really tight cash, cash position at Kamek. And I'm like, man, there's not enough. There's not mm-hmm. enough. And my friend Meredith works for this big think tank in DC and she's responsible for she's this huge, same bu- thing, right? well, no, huge budget. And she's like, I can't figure out how to spend this. Like she had so much anxiety because she had too much. And it was that, that Philippians yeah. part was so true. I'm like, we're both pulling our hair out over our jobs and yet our circumstances are so different. Yeah. So how can we be stewards mm-hmm. of what we have and where we're at yeah. rather than always wishing? And I, this is aspirational for me. I have to remind myself of it all the time. But I think God blessed me with this incredible relationship. And I still don't know if we're going to get married or, I mean, I'm it, I'm in it and I'm yeah. enjoying it. I'm trying to take it one day at a time and not feel like I have to be at a point of making conclusions in every moment. But I've realized that I had some I, – my identity – in being single and learning to say, okay, God, I was content being single. I can now be content Mm -hmm. in a relationship and be grateful for that. And I'm learning a whole new set of things. Like I was comfortable in showing up as an individual and showing up single and I'm a people pleaser. I want people to approve of me and to like me. And as a single person, I was like, okay, I can navigate that. Uh Then you're in a relationship and you're showing up with someone else and now the equation's different. And so it's been very humbling yeah. and really joyful. Yeah. And uh, well, that makes sense now. Yeah. I mean, it didn't make sense when I was explaining to the woman this morning cutting my hair because she's single and she literally was kind of thinking, how is she struggling with her contentment? Isn't that what yeah. we want? But I think that we can take, we can become prideful in whatever it is that we're doing amazing. And then when that situation, you know, like I can be, um, if I'm like completely content um, you know, in my motherhood and I pride myself on that. Well, these kids are all going to leave one day, mm. you know? And so do I find my identity in Christ alone or do I find it in being a mom? Yeah. Because I'm a mom forever, obviously, but they're going to leave hopefully. Right? right. Like they can't stay with me forever, but they will. And so then where's my identity? Yes. That shifting is where people lose themselves. Honestly, it's where they just go, yeah. I don't know how to handle this. And I have, I have so much, and I, Fear, but as you know, you've said, CEO, that's a big deal. Like I can find my value and worth in my title, but guess what? It's gonna go away. It's all you know, yeah. And, and so I have to not hold that too closely because yes, what if God, you know, if I get married and have children, like my circumstances will change mm-hmm. and the things that I have allowed to comprise my identity, if they're not rooted in God, then yeah. I'm gonna struggle. Yeah. And so being aware of that, it's mm-hmm. hard because it's you know, there's yeah. Yeah, it feels great to have responsibility and to be be at a certain point in your career or in your family life. But like you said, I think identity and and contentment, I think it's all about knowing like whose we are, are, um, which is a lifelong lifelong thing we have to press into, I think, every single day. What good advice your friend gave you. Um, It's so true. It's so true. As being married for 16 years and mom for 13 it's so true. Yeah. Because then you start to think, well, kids will fill that void. You know, we, we always have voids. Always something we always next. have voids. Yeah. And I, you know, I think because everything I read in here is like people lamenting, not everything, but generally, and particularly I found that in Southern culture, we have these milestones defined for us when you're young. You go to school, you go to high school, you get into a good college and then you get a good job and then you get a good like spouse. Right. And so there's, there's this like runway, there's this track race and you, you kind of finish a, a lap and then you look ahead and you're like, wait, where are the laps? Like who, who's defining these things for me? Yeah. And I think we in trying to love people well can help say like, Oh, here's the next step. Here's the next step. And so I think being raised in culture in Southern culture was always like, well, you get married. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't ever fathom that I would be 30 and single right. And so you, a lot of my friends have struggled with that and it, and, and some of them, you know, great gracefully, but then to feel like, okay, I was content in my singleness and now I'm not single anymore, but I kind of want a gold star. (laughs) Uh, So it's just been an interesting realization that, um, yeah, that that singleness isn't 
can be a good thing. Yeah. yeah. It can be a really good thing. I was, I was watching this video the other day and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes cause I'll probably mess it up, but it was, um, a clergy in the Catholic church who, um, um, has same sex attraction and is choosing to be celibate for the rest of his life. But the point of his video was that if marriage, whatever that might look like, if we say that marriage is the end all, mm-hmm. you know, like we're saying these laps, he's like, if we say that marriage is the fulfiller of all of our lives, then we're saying that Jesus was not fulfilled because he was fully human mm-hmm. and he never married, you know? And so he, he did not need that ever to complete him or to make him any more fulfilled. And so I think when you talk about that with singleness, so many times I talk to single women and they and they talk about how um, they've been fed this lie and sometimes by the church that once you get married, then that's when you start living. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's like those laps that you're talking about. Or, right. Yeah. And it's just, it's a false narrative and it sets people up to always be confused about what's wrong with me. Hmm. Like, why am I not married? Like, isn't that what's supposed to happen to me? Um, and I, I have been so impressed lately um, with people who are saying, married people and single people, both alike, saying that it's just not the completer of your life, hmm. you know? And as someone who's married and I love my husband dearly, just like your friend Aaron was saying, if that completes me, then it can it could just wreck me as well at the same time um, because it could go away, yeah. you know? Like Aaron could die today. Hmm. And then what, where would my identity be? You know, it would have to still be in Jesus or else I would, everything would be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I, I, I really enjoy, and I know my listeners do as well, conversations about singleness from a really gospel point of view of it's not the, it's not the end all, you know, no, it's not. And man, I love what you're saying. There's so much good truth in that. And I also, I feel culturally like we're, people are getting married later or they're having fewer kids. And so I also, I want to celebrate singleness and marriage at the same time and encourage people to commit to mm-hmm. relationships, to commit to people and to things that we always, in, in design thinking, they always talk about the best design happens with constraints, right? You can't, you're not free to create unless you have a sandbox or like kids, they've done studies about kids in open fields that actually go further when there's a fence, right? So if you put a bunch of kids out uh-huh. in a wide space, they cluster because uh-huh. they don't, they don't really know where to go. And this there's this so fear of the unknown. We have no fence and my kids playing the exact same piece of our yard and we have four acres. <laughs> this is a, this is a true okay, theory. I have tested it. <laughs> I've tested it at my house. You were yeah, right. But it's like, okay, that we can take that's such an analogous example to sometimes how we live is like, we're afraid we want to just keep creating options for ourselves. At least I know for me, I was wanting to keep creating options. And so we actually live less fully when you haven't like the best experiences in life are with specific people in specific places where you've said no to things to say yes to a thing, Mm -hmm. right? You can't go to three dinner parties. You get to go to one. Right. And that one dinner party is going to be so much better when you've chosen it and you're present. And so I think for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to be content in my singleness, but I don't want to fear a commitment or a marriage or something that might create that fence because there's so much goodness in that specific person or in that constraint. And so I think a lot about, I mean, we talk a lot about constraints for design at work and in product, but also in our personal lives, like when we put up boundaries, they give you one freedom to Mm -hmm. play within that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you have to be more creative. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about that. I mean, when my kids were really little, um, we didn't give them the free range to roam the whole house because they didn't, they weren't capable of it. We gave Mm. them boundaries Mm. and then they would succeed in those boundaries. That's weird little parenting. (laughs) I mean, I'm talking babies. Um, Okay. So Kamek, tell me what y'all just re-released and then I'm going to hear what you're loving and what you're reading. Great. Last week at Kamek, we relaunched our flagship product called The Rue named after the female kangaroo, but it's our, it's our flagship hammock. Uh-huh. It's a full size hammock, uh, meaning it can sleep. It's comfortable enough to sleep in. You have room to stretch out and you can lay at a diagonal and camp in it or lounge with two adults or multiple kids that can hold over 500 pounds. And we've really over-engineered this hammock to really be something that it can you can take anywhere and use on every adventure. And so we've listened to all the customer feedback we've received this product, I mean, if you go to REI.com, we're the highest reviewed hammock 
uh, we get, I mean, this is the hammock that really put us on the map yeah. that Greg launched uh-huh. hammock with on his first Kickstarter yeah. campaign. Which is what we have. We have two of, yes. we have several hammocks, but these were our first two. So we've just taken that product and made it like better. We're yeah. saying the best camping uh-huh. hammock just got better. So we've relaunched it. We're really excited about it. I mean, it has a comfort seam and a bigger compression sack for easy packability. Uh-huh. And there's, there's just a few bells and whistles uh-huh. that we've added. Uh, yeah, and we're, I guess we're going to be winning a few, I won't spoil it, but we're winning a few other gear awards this spring, which will hopefully give us some You already press. know that you've won them? I know. I'm not supposed <gasps> to say anything, but we're going to be, um, there we'll, we'll be finding out that um, just we're, we're hopefully getting some good press this spring. That's awesome. And we've just added some really incredible new team members. What's the newest Kamek that you just added? Isn't there one where it, it has a whole top? Yes. So in November. Is that new at all? Yes. In November, well, in November, we launched on Kickstarter, another Kickstarter. It's our fourth Kickstarter campaign. It's called the Sunda, designed after a flying lemur. So all of our products are kind of subtly or not so subtly named after their counterpart in the animal kingdom. So we get inspiration, the idea of biomimicry. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Sunda is a designed after the flying lemur. It's a two-person tent. So if you were going to go buy any tent, two-person tent, Uh it's a really best-in-class two-person tent that can also convert to an all-in-one hammock shelter. And it's got four different setup modes. So I know it sounds complicated. We've designed it to hopefully be very simple and intuitive. But if you only ever wanted to sleep in a tent, we think it's the best tent. Uh, It's a little bit longer, so it has tons of room for two people and your bags are a kid or just lots lots of room inside. Um, But you could also use it if you wanted to get off the ground or there was rocky terrain. You could hang it up like a hammock. And could two people sleep in it? Yes. Oh, in hammock mode, it's best for one person. Sleeping in a hammock with two people in the same hammock is I can that would not sound cozy. amazing to me. But we've designed ways that you can maybe string up another hammock under it or alongside okay. it so it fits under the weather shelter okay. you're cared for, but you would need something extra to put two people in hammock mode. Yeah, that does not sound fun. Yeah, so that product will be – you can pre-order it on our website now, but it will be available in June. We're very excited about it. It's our first entrance into the tent market, okay. but we're like to say where it's a whole new category. It's uh-huh. a hammock tent. Yeah. And we uh, were really excited about uh, our our insulated lines. We do trail quilts and sleeping bags and all sorts of awesome. things. But awesome. Okay. Well, I love everything you guys are doing. Thanks. And um, I'm like just excited for what's ahead of y'all. Well, Green Acres, here we come. Green Acres. <laughs> Green Acres and Kamek for the win. Um, people could come to Austin. They could swing by. Do y'all sell camics at we, your store? We will have They can swing soon. by East 7th and get their picture in front of the wall and buy themselves some camics and then head on out east towards Elgin and stay with us at Green Anchors. I love it. Doesn't it sound like a dream yes. weekend? Can I, can I prototype that? Yes, can yes. I, can we're going to have a can try. Can come? We're okay. going to have a camic tryout. Yes. Okay, we're <laughs> in. We'll supply all the gear. Uh, okay, so what three things are you loving? Okay, I was joking with you earlier, but I'm loving googly eyes right now. And for those of you who don't know what they are, they're these little stickers that have like the clear eye, yeah. plastic eye that, you know, the eyeball that uh-huh. like moves around. And it moves around. Um, a new person on my team has been putting them on like our water faucets and it turns everything into a personality. And I put some on my morning journal and it just makes me smile the first thing because I feel like. My journal's talking to me. So that's really I should silly. put that on my coffee pot in the morning. But <laughs> the googly eyes. eyes. The googly eyes. Um, gosh, loving. I don't I don't know if these are supposed to be like things, but I I have really been enjoying this four-mile trail run between Pleasant Valley and I-35. Mm-hmm. And I love running on trail. Mm-hmm. So that has just been just really filling me up. When you say trails lately, like around Ladybird Lake, that is not a trail. Or is it? It is. That is a trail. Okay. So when I say trail for me, because I can't run on cement, it's anything that's like not cement. You can't because of your back? um, My shins. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic injuries from like over-exercising and and sports. But I like like crushed granite or grass or, yeah, town. Like it's not a true like off-road trail, but it's it's, it's, it's a trail. I love trail running. I love trail running. Um, Is it help? Are these just things that I personally living or like? Things that I use in my life that I use in your life is awesome. Use in your yeah. life, because okay. then we'll put a link to it or something. But it's whatever you want. 
Well, it's a toss-up between my nieces and my new cast iron skillet. Let's do a cast iron. Okay. <laughs> I, so my mom got me a cast iron skillet for Christmas. Your first? No, I've had one before. This okay. is my first, my like my own cast iron, uh-huh. and it's bigger. I think it's 15 inches. I'd have oh, to, I'm looking at it. It is big, yeah. Okay. We have one of It's those. a bigger cast iron. It's a total game changer. I think I cook every single Everything. meal on it. Yes. Every meal. Best frittatas. You need a look like bacon, then the grease stays in there, and then your eggs the next morning. Quick vegetables, cast iron for the win. Totally for the win. <laughs> I'm loving Let it. Let me tell you what happened. This Christmas, we had our band Christmas party, and you we do a little exchange. My band, my husband's in the band, and so all his people and their wives um, or their significant others, they we had a party at our house, and the, the thing was you had to bring something for the kitchen, right? And the limit's like $12 each. I mean, we're talking a spoon or a dish towel Mm. or something. So Philip and the band brings this huge box. And we're all like, what is that? They open it up and he's like, I don't know. My grandma gave me all these cast irons. I don't don't ever cook with them. Like four or five cast iron skillets that he just handed away to somebody. That's like... All Man, of us you win that, the lottery. Exactly. All of us that actually cook, well, I don't, but we have lots of cast irons because Aaron loves them. We were like, I think Matt and Molly Graham want, walked away with them and we're like, y'all just scored big time. And Philip is so funny. He's like, I don't know. I don't know if they're good or not. So yes, cast irons. Cast irons is definitely a score. Yes. It's the best. It's the best. Okay. What are you reading? Great. So I have so many books by my nightstand that I don't read, but they just inspire me that Uh one day I will read more. Um, Two that I have been reading recently. So We Shall Have Spring by Andre Sue. Okay. It's a collection of essays, vignettes. It's perfect if you have 10 minutes to read. She... Oh, she's just this like incredible soul sister. I've never met her, but I feel like I know her and she's she writes with such authenticity. Mm-hmm. And there's one little vignette in there called Manipulator Minister. And she says, in any situation, you only have really two options. You're either ministering or manipulating. And it's super cleverly written and just really spoke to me. So I think a lot wow. of her words have been encouraging me lately and are just fun to read because she's so real. Huh. This is like, I just opened to a random page and it's called Oh for a Thousand Tongues. And it says, if you wish to abide in Jesus, it's important to pray constantly and to be in his word. When the flesh makes it hard to pray and read, I find that it is never hard to sing a hymn. Walking the dog and weary of my prayer list, I suddenly remember a melody and climb up on my father's lap as if it were and serenade him. Where is the man so brutish that he does not like to sing? Hmm. Isn't that good? I see why you like it. <laughs> She's great. She's, She's great. so okay. great. And then I've just started Phil Knight's Shoe Dog, which has been recommended <gasps> oh, to me yes. by a I've lot of my like, lot business savvy yes. friends. One of our investors, it was my Christmas gift from him, mm-hmm. which you got to take a hint. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> there's something to read and learn here. So I've heard it's great. Uh, Phil Knight actually did the commencement speech when I graduated from Stanford. So it's oh. very cool to hear him speak. And now I'm really looking forward to reading more of his so Phil Knight started Nike. Um, a small company. Yeah, just a small of. company <laughs> you might have heard of. So this is his memoir, and I've heard great things. I've heard so great I've things about it as well. I think I would really like it. Do you want? Do you listen to the podcast? And it's funny that I'm about to mention this, and then we have to go. How you uh, help us? Yes. yes. Aaron and I just talked about it on the last Friday show. Aaron was on with me, and we talked about how I built this. Um, Guy you listen Ross. to it? I just, I've listened to a few. I've listened to Warby Parker, Patagonia, Tony Shea Zappos. And I'm excited to listen to more. So good. I, just I was just listening um, earlier today about the guy who created Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. Random, right? He created both of those. Yeah. it's. I would really encourage people to listen. And it's been a great encouragement to me because there's people who have, have lived it. And it, how cool to think that one day, you know, Greg or, you know, yeah. I could be speaking on on how I built this. Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be awesome. He said, uh, the guy that was talking this morning, he said that when they were first selling Atari, which was in the 70s, um, that they went in, I'm going to, I'm going to screw it up, but here's the gist. They went in to, to have Sears, I think, buy some from them. And he asked his little production guy, how many can we actually do? And he said, 25,000. So he went in and he's like, and he told the guy, he's like, we can um, get, have you 75,000 by the end of the year. And the guy says, I'll take 125. And so that just kind of gave me chills this morning. Cause the guy was just like, let's do it. So he said, we had six months to come up when my guy told me we could do 25,000 and we had to come up with 
175,000. Mm. Isn't that crazy? I feel it. <laughs> You're like, yes. this is my life, Jamie. <laughs> no, I want somebody to place an order that's like 10x what we thought, but yes. Oh, uh, well, Haley, it has been, it's been so fun to come to your house because I don't normally get to do that. Well, thank you for coming. It's been so nice to have this I in love to person. come on the east side. It's so fun over You're here in Austin. You're welcome anytime. Aww. Bring your kids. This place needs a little, a little loving. A little tearing up? A is that what you mean? Up. I think, right? It's got to feel lived. It yeah. does. I think my house feels yeah. a little yeah. lived. It's okay. You're but, great. You're um, great. Yes. You're welcome anytime. Uh, Thanks well, for thank having you. me. And I'm going to put all the links up of everything we talked about in Special Can Night. Perfect. Yeah. So fun. So thanks for letting me get to know you. Thank you. All right, friends. Wasn't that a great chat with Haley? If you asked me to go camping with you right now, I think I would say yes. Um, also, I just apologize for talking about who, whatever you want to call it on the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry if you gagged in your car, but guys, it's a reality when you go camping. you got to figure out where are you going to do your stuff. One thing that Haley and I continued chatting about after I stopped recording was how there's this idea that people that are doing these perceived great things like CEO or starting a podcast or writing a book or running a, a nonprofit or whatever it might be, there's this perceived thing that there's someone amazing and they just somehow got there without any work and really they're not doing anything special but they just keep showing up and doing the work she started this conversation after I was talking to her about how I was so impressed that she was a CEO at 31 her comment to me was really she's like Jamie you and I you have a a great podcast a successful show but really we're not doing anything special we just show up so I want that to be an encouragement to you if you think gosh Haley's a CEO and I'm just whatever that might be fill in the blanks Don't let those lies creep in that you're um, not anything. And just so you know, you too can and you will do great things. You just need to take the next step in front of you. Show up and do the work and see what God happens. Great things do not happen overnight. CEOs are not made overnight or via accidents. Making a great podcast does not happen overnight. Um, Developing a business, developing a marketing strategy, um, parenting great children who love Jesus. That does not happen overnight. Lots of showing up happened before that. Guys, today's show was edited by Logan Garza and the music is from Jason Poe. Last Friday, via our Instagram, we announced the news about Green Acres. So guys, we are so excited about what God is going to do there with that space. We're excited for you to have the opportunity to come and stay there. Follow us over on Instagram. We are at Green Acres ATX. And hopefully maybe you can come stay a few nights with us as well. And maybe you can buy a kamek and come sleep in a kamek out at Green Acres. Guys, I hope you listened to the Happy Half Hour last week because my husband joined me and we always have fun together. Next week on the Happy Hour, my guest is Heather Avis. And although Heather and I had never met or talked before our interview, I loved her so much. She's a mama to three kids who all joined their family through adoption and two of them with special needs. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I will see you next week with my friend, Heather. <laughs>